All right, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to Psalms chapter 88. Um, if, you, if this is your first time um, here in the last month or so, we've been going through this series called Uncomfortable, and we've been talking about how, you know, sometimes it's important for us to be uncomfortable. We don't like it. We hate it sometimes. It's, uh, it's hard. It's, you know, sometimes it's like, it's like when you go and you work out and you're sore the next day and you're sore the day after that. You know, it's not very, sometimes it's not very, obviously it isn't very comfortable just by very definition, but sometimes it's, it's necessary for us to grow. And often, I believe breakthrough is on the other side of being uncomfortable. And so the first week we talked about uh, waking up. We talked about how um, there are many Christians that are sleeping, and we talked about some indicators if, you know, maybe, maybe you're sleeping and you don't even know it. We talked about that the first week. And then the second week, we talked about uh, getting up, and we talked about uh, the man that Jesus spoke to, and he said, get up, and we talked about the significance of getting up. And then the third week, we talked about stepping up, stepping up or stepping out. We talked about Peter coming out of the boat and stepping up to what God had called him to and how when he stepped out in faith, uh, he experienced the supernatural. And we talked about um, the crowd, the core, and the one. And we, we spoke about that last week. And then today, uh, we're going to be talking about lift up. So can you guys lift up your hands with me? Put your hands down. Lift them up again. Put them down. Lift them up again. There we go. Mike had it right. He just kept his hands up the whole time. I appreciate it. So, um, so lift up is what we're going to be talking about today. And again, talking through this, um, this series called Uncomfortable. It said, so I'm just going to actually read the entire chapter. It says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from, the, from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You overwhelm me with all your waves. You have taken, me, um, you have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do, they, do, your, do, do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of the oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friends and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Lord, just speak to us this morning. Minister to us this morning, Father. I pray for those who uh, might be struggling this morning. I pray that you will um, speak to them, minister to them, and use your word to open up their eyes to what you have for them, Father. Maybe there are those who are 
facing darkness this morning. Maybe there are those who are facing darkness outwardly and inwardly. And Father, I just pray that you will, again, speak to them and that they will find hope in your word and hope in, in, in the scriptures, Father. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Uncomfortable. This psalm, along with Psalms 33, is known as a contemplative or instructional psalm. Uh, these, insu- these psalms are specifically meant to instruct the mind and teach the heart. Uh, we know from Scripture that this psalm is actually a, a song or a prayer. And actually, if you look at the, the subscript of the psalm, you can see that the song is actually called uh, Mahalath uh, Leoneth, which means the suffering of affliction. Nice, huh? Very cool. Welcome to church, Sunday morning. The suffering of affliction. Many theologians believe that this specific psalm is possibly the saddest of all the psalms. In fact, the word darkness is mentioned, and I'm gonna, it's going to get better than this. So you guys, you know, I'm sorry, I apologize. We're going to kind of, kind of a, it's going to go. So the, the word darkness is mentioned three times in the psalm, and um, it's, it's really, um, I guess, kind of the theme of the psalm. It's mentioned in verse 6, it's mentioned in verse 12, and it's mentioned again in the final verse, um, and it's interesting because actually when you, when you go back and you read the original Hebrew, um, it actually ends with the word darkness, right? So, oh, great, darkness, darkness, darkness. And so actually kind of like maybe a more literal translation of the final verse would be, my closest friend is darkness. So you read this passage of Scripture like, oh, my goodness, um, this, 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 this person who's writing this psalm is experiencing, man, some major turmoil. He's, he's experiencing some major darkness. Can you say darkness? Yeah, he's, he's experiencing some major darkness. And, and really, I think there are, there are a couple types of darkness that we have uh, in our lives. There is the darkness that is outward, and that's the darkness that is circumstantial. Maybe the loss of a job, the loss of a friend, sickness. And, and really, when you look at this guy, you can see that he is... Uh, he has outward darkness in his life. He says, my, my life is overwhelmed with trouble. I've lost my friends. Death is near me. Uh, he, you can see that he is facing some outer darkness. And I don't know, can, can anyone relate with the psalmist here? Has anyone here experienced some outer darkness? Circumstances have, have been, light, have, the circumstances of life have been hard on you. You've kind of been in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, doing the wrong things, and you've had troubles and hardships, and you've been passed by, and you've been left out. Outer darkness, man, it's, uh, it's, it can be difficult when, when life in itself is just throwing you waves, and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the, the car broke down, and, you know, the, the wife is yelling at me, and the kids aren't behaving, and, you know, I had this, this unruly congregant who was yelling at me, and, you know, my job is so terrible, I just can't stand my coworkers, and, you know, I don't know, you just, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, you guys know about, yeah, like, sometimes the circumstances of life can be very difficult, and uh, you can see this, the psalmist here is, is talking really about some outer darkness, and he's talking about some things that, that are definitely happening to him. I was, I was overwhelmed with trouble. I lost my closest friend. Death is at the door. I have been, things have been happening for me since I was but a young lad. You can see, like, like it's, 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 it, he's facing some outer darkness. But 
I really think that there is, there's a difference between outer darkness and inner darkness. You know, sometimes you meet someone who is faced with outer darkness, and they have an inward light. Have you ever met someone like that before? Like, like the, the, the things of life have, have just, uh, the waves of life have been hitting them, and they've just been smashing them. But man, they just still have the joy of the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, I, I met someone at work the other day who is a four-time cancer survivor. Four-time cancer survivor. And she was telling me her story, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And she just had this smile on her face, and she just had this light about her, like, uh, her, her, her demeanor. And she's like, yeah, I have survived cancer four times. And then she went on to say that her son had passed away a year ago, and that she had recently been diagnosed with cancer again. So this is going to be her fifth bout with cancer. Her son had just died, and she just had this smile about her where I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I cannot believe that you are able to, like, the joy of the Lord is your strength, lady. Like, you know what I mean? Have you ever met someone like that before where it's like, like life has been really tough and difficult, and they've just been able to, to take it with a smile, and they still have that inner light in them where they're still excited about life, and they're still excited about what God is doing. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, there's someone that just really has their eye on Jesus, and they really have their eye on the prize, and they realize that the things that are here are temporary, and that they have a, a blessed hope. Do you, do you guys have a hope this morning? Amen? You have a hope in the Lord. You have a hope. Like, even, it's like, even though the waves are crashing, kind of like we were talking about last week, even though the waves are crashing, we know that we have a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand. I mean, that's exciting, isn't it? Like, that's something that the world does not have, right? I mean, the world, it's like, it's like you know, if, if, if you're someone that does not have an eternal hope, it's like when the troubles of life come and when that darkness comes, man, things get pretty, pretty glim and pretty bleak pretty quickly, right? There's an outer darkness. But I think also there is an inner darkness, right? And it, it's, it's interesting because when I read this text, I would say that the author of this psalm not only had outer darkness... But I would also argue that the author of this text had inner darkness. You know? I'm set apart with the dead. My eyes are dim with grief. I am in despair. Lord, you have rejected me. I'm not even, I'm not even just like in the, I'm not in the pit. He said, I'm in the deepest pit. I'm in the darkest despair. I, 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 in, fact, I, if, if, I, in fact, if you look at verses 10 through 12, I think he's even saying, Lord, why am I even alive? Like, 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 why am I even here? Perhaps death would be better for me than what I've had to endure. Yeah, this, the, the author of this text, I think, really had both outer darkness and inner darkness. I mean, he was someone that was facing all sorts of despair. He was facing deep darkness, both outward and inward. And to me, that, that makes me a little uncomfortable, right? Makes me just a little bit uncomfortable. You know, most Psalms, when you read them, you read them and it's like, you know, especially David. David was great at this. He'd be like, my, my enemies are before me. They're trying to kill me. And then there was hope. He'd be like, yeah, but the Lord is awesome, right? Many psalms are like that, but but, ah. darkness, darkness, my closest friend 
is darkness. Hmm. Darkness. Makes me uncomfortable. So I thought to myself, I want to do a little bit of research on this heathen that wrote this psalm. Because I think that perhaps, maybe perhaps this is what happened. Perhaps this psalmist was a young juvenile delinquent who was, um, perhaps he was one of David's uh, companions. Maybe he was like a teenager, right? Like David's doing his stuff. King David's writing his psalms and he's penning stuff and he's watching King David, you know, pen the psalms. And he's like, ah, yeah, ha, ha. And so he just like, he's like writing in his journal and he's like, you know, life stinks and blah, blah, blah. And I'm life in despair and whatnot. And, and maybe he, or he's writing in his journal and maybe he accidentally set the journal next to the, to the scrolls, the sacred scrolls that David was writing on, right? And, and somehow over the years, perhaps, um, this, maybe some, we always blame it on Latin scholars. Maybe a, a dirty Latin scholar somehow added it into the text, and this isn't even supposed to be here, and, you know, you know some, some stupid kid is out there writing stuff, and somehow this, this, this psalms got into the text, and oh my goodness, this, this person's probably just such a stupid poopy head, right? Okay, whatever. So, so it's like, okay, I shouldn't have said that. I'm glad we're not live streaming today. Okay, so, <laughs> I'm distracted now with my statement. Okay, so, but it's ironic because when you look at the subscript of the text, um, you can see that the author of this psalm was a man named Heman, or He-Man, He-Man. He was the grandson of the prophet Samuel. He had many sons and he had many daughters. He was from the line of Korah. He was assigned to temple worship. He was spoken of in the Bible as a singer and a songwriter. He was someone who was before the people. He was a leader. He was one of the three, three musicians that was appointed by King David for ministry in First Chronicles chapter 25. You can check all this stuff out if you want to. I had to do some research. He was with David, uh, and, and he was also with King Solomon um, when, uh, when the Ark of the Covenant... Well, he was with King David when the, Ark of the, uh, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into Jerusalem. He was known to be um, incredibly wise. He was a godly father. He was a seer. He was a man of influence and power um, during, again, during the time of King Herod and, or during the time of King David and and the time of King, and the time of King Solomon. He was wise. He was talented. He was blessed. And he was a man who was uh, known as someone who had great blessing in his life. And I guess when I, I, I read that, um, I, I realize that darkness is not a respecter of persons. Thought about that before? Darkness is not a respecter of persons. Like even if you're the greatest, even if you're the best, even if you're the seer and the godly and the many sons and daughters and you're part of the temple and you're doing all the stuff with corn, like darkness is not a respecter of persons. You might come to church, you might have all the right answers, you might be a tither, you might be a giver, you might be a deacon, you might be a a very influential, you might have the Bible. Darkness is not a respecter of persons. My closest friend is darkness. Darkness is not a respecter of persons. 
Now, there are some who would say that this entire passage of Scripture is filled with nothing but despair. Nothing but despair. And again, there are some that say that this is the most saddest passage of Scripture in the Bible. Again, this kind of makes, this is kind of uncomfortable. But I, I think I disagree. And I think that if you look closely at the text, you can see little glimmers, just little tiny glimmers of hope. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've been going through some darkness. Maybe you've been going through some outer darkness. Maybe you've been going through some inner darkness. Maybe you've been going through, maybe you've been feeling depressed. Maybe you've been feeling in despair. Maybe life circumstances have been crazy, and you're just not entirely sure what you're going to do. And you feel like Heman. You feel like my closest friend is darkness. I want to encourage you this morning that there are, even in the darkest times, there are glimmers of hope. I'm in the pit. I'm in despair. I have no friends. Darkness has lasted such a long time. There is always hope in the darkness. There's always hope. There's always hope. You know? If you look very closely, very closely, very, very, say very, very closely, if you look very closely to the text, you can find little remnants of hope. He was in despair. He was in the darkest, the darkest pit, in the deepest pit. Death was before. He almost felt like he wanted to die. And again, this, this isn't some, you know, this is an influential man, an influential leader, a seer, godly man. You can see little glimmers of hope throughout the text. The first little glimmer that you see is in the very first verse, very first sentence. He says, Lord You are the God who saves. He sets the parameters from the very beginning. Lord, no matter what difficulty I'm going through, no matter what trials I might be facing, no matter matter that even though my closest friend is darkness, God, I realize. And I feel, he's like, like, I feel like I've been going through this since I was a kid. He says, I realize God, you are the God who saves. It's, it's ironic that when Jesus came, he came and he, he, he went out in the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he came back and he came into the temple. And he began to speak, and he said, speak, prophetically, he's speaking of himself. He says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. There's glimmers of hope. There's glimmers of hope. Listen, salvation comes from the Lord. Listen, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling like you're living in darkness, if you're feeling outward and inward and I'm in the pit, I just don't understand. Salvation comes from the Lord. There's hope. Also, a pattern that I see, not only uh, does he mention 
salvation, but also in verse uh, 1 and in verse 2 and in verse 9 and in verse 13, there's this, there's this pattern of, he says, day and night I, I cry out to you. May my prayers come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. In verse 88, he says, I call to you, Lord, every day. In verse uh, 13, he says, but I cry to you for help. Lord, in the morning, my prayer comes before you. Like, in, in his despair, who is he calling to? He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's, he's you know, like, uh, you think about it. In his, who's, who's he calling? In his, in his darkness, whom is he looking to? In his pit, of whom is he looking to rescue? Like, like and you can see he's, he's coming to God again and again and again. He, he's crying out in, 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 in desperation and he's, he's crying out in total concentration. He's, he's, he's crying out like, like, like maybe you're here this morning and, you, and you've, been, you've been calling everyone else. Maybe you've been calling your coworkers, you've been calling your friends, you've been calling your mama, you've been calling Dr. Phil, you've been calling your horoscope, right? Like who are you calling in your times of despair? Because salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord is waiting on you to call on him in your time of trouble. Look at Psalms chapter 50. It says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Salvation comes to the Lord. He's, he's, he's crying out to him. And then, and then it's interesting too because not only you see this pattern. Again, there's glimmers of hope. He's He's calling on the Lord. He's crying on the Lord. He's, he's, he's going to the Lord again and again and again. And he, he, he notices in the first verse that salvation comes from the Lord. But, but also, I, it, 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 he says, I, I spread out, in verse 9, he says, I spread out my hands to you. You guys lift up your hands for a minute. Put them back down. Lift them up. Put them back down. I spread out my hands to you. Remember a while ago, we were doing a, I think we were talking about worship. And we talked about how in the book of Exodus, I think it's Exodus chapter 17, the people of Israel had come out of the, um, they'd come out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness. And the Amalekites came up behind them and began to attack them. And I guess it was, Customary, the Amalekites, they were just dogs. They were terrible. And what they do is they attack from, attack from behind. And often when, you know, they were, like when, when the Israelites were moving, it was, the, it was the elderly who were in the back. And so the, the Amalekites were just, they were dogs. They were terrible people. And so um, uh, the Israelites began to fight the Amalekites. And um, it says in Scripture that, that, that Moses, that he, when he raised his hands... Israel began to win. When he lowered his hands, they began to lose. When he raised his hands, they began to win. When he lowered his hands, they began to lose. And it was, a, it was definitely a physical battle with, with swords and spears and everything else, but it was also a spiritual battle. You know, and, and towards the end of the, the passage, uh, when he's talking, he said, we're going to build an altar here, and, 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 and we're going to call this the Lord is my banner because the Lord can give me victory. And I think there's something powerful about us being in the posture of surrender. There's something powerful about us being in the posture 
of victory. There's something powerful about us. There's, 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 there's like an alignment with the heavenlies. Maybe I sound like I'm being too spiritual here, but there's like an alignment with the heavenly, in the heavenlies where it's like, and some of you guys say, well, that's just in the Old Testament. Well, actually in the New Testament as well. And in 1 Timothy, um, Paul instructs the men of the church to lift up their holy hands to the Lord. So, so there, there, there's something there. There's something there in being in a posture of surrender and a posture of, of victory and a posture of like, hey, I don't have this all figured out, but we know that you do. So I'm going to call the worship team back up real quick. And actually, I'm going to, if, if, I, if I could as well, have my, my deacons come up as well. Or my deacon. <laughs> oh, can you, guys, can you guys be up front? Is that okay? Okay. And um, I, I feel like, as I, I, was, I was working on my sermon last night, I was praying, I was walking, I was praying, I was walking. I, I think that um, there are those of us here this morning that um, we've been facing darkness. Um, there are those of us this morning, it might be outward, it might be in, inward, but there are those of us this morning who have been facing darkness. But I think maybe even, even, even more specifically, um, as I was praying, I really felt like there also might be those this morning whose, whose family or loved ones is going through darkness. Maybe your kid. Maybe your spouse. I think, I think, what, I think what, just through the, through the text, I think what I want us to do is and if, if, if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I, I'm going through some stuff, or maybe my family's going through some stuff, I think there's, there's something powerful with us actually proclaiming it, telling something. Like, look at this guy. He's crying out to the Lord. He's, it says, in, in Scripture, it says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I... I, I either for myself or I really want to intercede for somebody else, I want to give you the opportunity to to respond as we sing this song. I'm just going to pray and then feel free to come forward. God, we thank you for the goodness of your word and the greatness of your majesty, Father. Darkness is not a respecter of persons. Here in Scripture, we have uh, Heman who... Um, was a great, mighty man of God who was filled with darkness. He was going through all sorts of things. But God, there's always hope. Those living in darkness have seen a great light. And today, God, in a posture of surrender and praise, God, we just lift our hands to you, and we cry out to you, Father. And I just pray that um, we'll take this opportunity to pray with each other and to be ministers to each other so that we can find healing in our time of need. We ask these things in your holy name.